0: Welcome to UVA Throws podcast for people who want to learn from successful student-athletes, coaches, and professional throwers, and we will bring you all this from their own perspective. Their experience and lessons will save you a lot of trouble. Today with us, we have Ashley Kovacs. She is a well-established coach at Ohio State, the Ohio State Coach Kovacs coached athletes at all levels, from conference to world champions, and will share with us today her coaching philosophy and things she's looking into when it comes to recruiting. She also shares with us her experience with Doha 2019 championships when Joe did what Joe often does stuns the world with monster throws. If you are new to this podcast, please hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. It helps us a lot and enjoy our interview with Coach Ashley Kovacs.
1: All right, Ashley Kovacs, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for your time. How's everything?
2: Good. How are you doing, Martin?
1: Good, good. It's a little raining in, in uh, Charlottesville now. It was 85 yesterday, but now it's 53. So it's wow, like that's quite a turnaround. Yeah. How's, <laughs> uh, how's everything in Ohio?
2: Good. The weather's been kind of shaky. Not, yeah. It hasn't gotten up to 85 for us, but can't complain too much
3: yeah
1: well in uh we can skip all the way because we talked a little bit in in the the intro before we got on uh skip all the recruiting stuff because obviously now we can uh recruit a little bit less on field but in terms of recruiting obviously you have still have to talk to juniors and seniors what is your advice for those people in those situations how do you how do they reach out to you how do they prove that they're worthy of Ohio State to be recruited if they haven't thrown the mark this year right
2: yeah it's really it's it's really a tough situation and I really feel for the juniors and seniors that lost their season you know it's pretty tough especially for the juniors it's such an important year for you to get your get your marks out there and also just a time for coaches to see you um personally like in the past I haven't done a ton of recruiting with underclassmen just because I think you change a lot um going into your going into your junior year Um, you know, you keep your eye on some of the younger ones, the freshmen and the sophomores. But, you know, the junior year is a really big year for me personally, because I like to see how much they've changed from sophomore to junior season. Um, you know, so I don't think that this time where they're not going to be able to do anything, you know, I don't think it's, it's, it's helping that they don't get, to, you, we don't get to see their marks. But I think that there are things they can do to, to make it up. Like, for example, if, if they train really well right now, and have a really good indoor season their senior year. I think that there's going to be a lot of people signing later than normal just because of the setback. You know, so I think that sometimes people aren't really ready indoor and I think that the people that especially the juniors that thought that they were going to throw big this year need to take the indoor season next year pretty seriously to to make sure that 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 they're seen for for what they're able to do. And I think that the coaches in the collegiate system are going to be looking for that.
3: Yeah.
1: In terms of your Uh, Scouting of of talent, right? You are obviously incredible coach. You have experience from high school, college, professional athletes. You coached world champions all the way down, right? So your your experience is is quite quite impressive. What is that you're looking for when it comes to athletes, or do you have parameters? Do you have distances? How do you how do you look for talent? I
2: think that you know I've had a lot of athletes at Ohio State that barely squeezed in on our our walk-on standards that we have posted on our website. Um, I have a lot of leeway with my head coach to use my jurisdiction when it comes to, um, you know, deciding who we bring in. There have been people that we've brought in that, that maybe didn't have the best marks and hadn't thrown the farthest, but, you know, they had a lot of potential. For example, like JC Muraski, who was the first 20-meter shot putter I had. Yeah. And I posted that video from your meet that, that we yeah. love. But yeah. He threw 57 feet in high school. Okay. And he barely – I didn't recruit him. The coach before me was here and yeah. recruited him, and he barely – they barely let him walk on, you know, wow. and he ended up throwing 20 meters for us. Yeah. Nick Demoline, I had signed him at Western Kentucky when he threw 58 feet, and in his senior year he threw 68-10. So – and he was number one in the country. And then he threw 20 meters for us here. Um, you know, Adelaide Aquila, she threw 43 feet officially in high school. I think she had a dual meet where she might have thrown 40, 44, 45 once she's thrown 58 feet for us as a sophomore. So I think that there are a lot of things that go into what makes a collegiate thrower great besides the marks that they threw in high school. Um, But at the same time, those people that I just mentioned, you know, you don't, we're not going to fund somebody that is barely meeting the walk on standard the same way we would somebody that's been top five in the country since they were a sophomore. And so I think that's just important to understand. And I think people get caught up with, associating the scholarship offer with an identified worth to the coach and the program um and I think that you have to just look at it as like your your current value your current you know market value your market value is somebody that's top five is going to be a lot higher than somebody that's from 40 feet you know I could I could get 100 kids every single year that throw 40 feet um you know a 50 footer a 52 foot high school kid like those marks are a little bit more sacred, you know, so you're gonna pay a little bit more for them. It's really like anything else, you know, something that's, that's attainable and easy to come by isn't, as, you know, isn't as, as valuable in the sense of the money that you're gonna spend to get it. So, you know, the, the, like the one thing that I've told recruits is like, what can you do to differentiate yourself if you don't have the mark? You know, what can you bring to the table? Because there are a lot of intangibles that, that I think have great value. Um, and a lot of those things have to do with personality, work ethic, what type of teammate I think you're going to be, what type of citizen you're going to be, those types of things. Cause those are very important to us at Ohio state. And they're very important to me because I care a lot about the culture
3: of our group.
1: That's, that's why you do have such an amazing, amazing culture, uh, in Ohio state, uh, which I hate to say it, right. Cause like, Oh no, you is the best. There's a lot <laughs> of good the schools there, obviously like yourself, and you're doing that job in, in uh, kind of funneling not just not just physical talent but also like you said work ethic how, what kind of citizen you are right so it's not even if you're not throwing 70 feet you know or as a guy or 50 feet uh, as a girl uh, there is a lot of things that you can bring to the table is what you're saying and if you're getting to know the athlete in your process you can then say okay you know uh, you're you're um, we have a spot for you or you know you might not be a fit it might be hard for you right so it's not just the distance, right?
2: Right. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely not just the distance, but I will say that you know, a lot of times people are asking, like, about scholarship money. And I, I do think when you're when you're taking an athlete to your head coach and asking your boss to invest in someone, it's really difficult for me to go into my boss and ask for scholarship money for somebody that's thrown 45 feet. That that's a good solid throw, but at the same time, you are almost 10 feet off of being able to help at our conference level yeah okay and i mean that's just how good this conference has became i mean for example nine of the top 16 people in the country indoor were from the big 10 okay so it's very that that's a lot of it's a big commitment to ask for funding for somebody even a 50 footer you know a 50 footer you're gonna have to throw four feet farther to score points in our conference so you're really good but you're not going to be able to do what we need somebody that's on scholarship to do probably for at least a year or
3: two. Yeah.
1: If I was an athlete, I would look at it this way. Now, you know, going back in uh, you know, in hindsight, I would want to be in that situation. Obviously if you can't afford it or, 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 you know, a financial situation such that you really cannot afford to get a student loan uh, or some other ways to make it anyways. Right. I want to be with the best and compete with the best, right. That's how you get better um is there a chance do you guys reward let's say somebody comes in 40 feet uh, and then you know they uh, as a female they go 52 you know 55 is there a, a opportunity to raise a scholarship over the years
2: so jc was came in as a walk-on and he left on a full ride nick Demoline wasn't on a full ride when he came he left on a full ride adelaide aquila was a walk-on and she's earned money and she's earned more money even this year from what she's done. She's she earned more money after her freshman year. She's a national qualifier, scored first at the Big Ten. And now after this year, she's going to be rewarded again. And I, I think that I know for sure that not every head coach is willing to do that. And our head coach is willing to do that and does do that. And so that makes me feel really good when I'm talking to a recruit and I look at them and I say, listen, I'm not like, for example, if I, I was recruiting a kid this past year, and Adelaide went from throwing 53, 54 feet to throwing 58 feet and was top three in the NCAA, I'm not going to pay a 45, 46, 47-foot shot putter. I'm going to pay my 58-foot shot putter first. And that's what we're committed to doing that. And, you know, I think that that's just the right thing to do. I think that you deserve to be rewarded for what you've done. And if you've worked really hard and if you're proving that you can be competitive at a higher level than you were when you came in, like, that's – to me, that's worth it, you know, and our, and our head coach agrees with that. So that is something that we do, and you know how it is, you know, and this is the other thing it's hard for, I think, recruits and parents to understand. Like, sometimes you might want to make a, a bump for a kid and there's no funding. Not every single class is going to graduate the exact same scholarship money. So, for example, you have 12 scholarships on the men's side. What if you only graduate one person and you already – it was a, you know, a distance runner and you got another distance runner recruit? Yep. And then you have a thrower that just, you know, became an all American out of nowhere. It's like that person might have to wait a year to get the money that we want to give them. doesn't mean we don't want to give that to them, but we literally don't have it at that, at that point, you know? So I think that's another important thing just for, for athletes and parents to be aware of, because I think it's a hard thing to kind of conceptualize and understand, like we are are allotted a certain amount of scholarship and we can't spend what we don't have. And that's just, that's just the way, that's the way it goes, you know, for everybody.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And it's very important uh, to, for parents to know that, to athletes to know that, high school coaches to know that, is if you are getting better at your school, you, there, there will be a reward, obviously, if it's there. And and in your experience, you had that quite a, quite a bit. Uh, So I think that's a really strong motivator for, for athletes to come in and work even harder and the UVA, we had the same situation like, like yourself. We have athletes coming in on a, as a walk-on and ending up in, on a full rides because they they know they can get a scholarship when they do well. So that's right. that's a great see- here. And it, it, you were definitely right. Um, not every school does it. Sometimes you cannot do it because there's only 12 on a guy's side, one and a half, and 18 on women. But uh, <clears throat> going in in four years and you're getting better, like your guys are and girls, uh, there will be you know some opportunity for that. So that's that's very important to know. Also, do you take transfers at Ohio State?
3: That's Definitely. one of the things. questions.
2: So, yeah, right now um, – so right now we have four girls who have thrown over 56 feet in the shot. So four girls over 1710. So it's like uh, Lindsay Baker's thrown 1711. Um, Divine Oladipo, she came over from UConn. She's from mm-hmm. Great Britain originally. She's thrown 1740. And then Adelaide's thrown 1782. And Sade's thrown 1788. So it's pretty, it's pretty fun environment with that. I'm really excited for, for them all to be together in training because Lindsay and Divine transferred in. Lindsay came from Ashland. They transferred in at semester. Um, so, you know, I'm really looking, we didn't get a whole lot of time for everybody to train together with this, the whole pandemic, but um, you know, and, that, and that's another thing that goes back to the, to the funding situation. It's like at this point with what I have, even a 50 foot, high school thrower like I'd love to have a 50 footer but we just we don't have the, the funding yeah. you know what I mean and there's there's such a thing as oversaturation like what what would I do with another with a 50 foot shot putter you know like we have next year I have Linnea Browder coming in she threw 48 feet as a sophomore from Ohio and you know she's one of the best in the country at high school and she's got a 10 foot gap between her you know and Adelaide
3: the best girl and in that's
2: the crazy country. to think about because Linea' is a very very talented high school thrower you know um but yeah so i think that all those things have to do with what you were talking about with you know with with the value of of what a team can give you and it's like we've won the big 10 um i think six, five or six times since i've been at ohio state in six years and we're trying to fund our team so we can win championships it's like a 50 footer to me at this point is a different value to somebody that doesn't have anybody that turn over 50 feet you know what i'm saying so yeah. it's all relative
1: yeah and how exciting is that? You know, you know this because you've been on a couple of teams. You've been an incredible team in Kentucky when you were a student. Obviously, in high school, you trained different groups. How valuable do you think this atmosphere that they have, a camaraderie between them, is adds to to, to their performance?
2: Well, I, I think it's just, you know, like Adelaide had thrown. Um, she PR'd it at outdoor NCAA's her freshman year. She yeah. threw like 15, 16. 59 or something was 12 and she was like the you know like not to be like you know she was kind of the runt of the litter she was like the baby kind of like okay what are you gonna do and you know being behind shot is not easy you know she's been so dominant and she has such a presence in in, in the ncaa and at ohio state and you know i really challenged adelaide indoor and and all through the fall at shot was going to world so Um, She wasn't there the same way she had been. And I really challenged Adelaide to kind of step up and like set the tone. Mm. And, you know, I really didn't have a, I had a very young team Mm. and Adelaide like really worked hard all summer and all fall. And like Joe and I, we could just see it. Like you could just see it coming. And before Christmas, I was just like, I told Joe, I was like, I, I seriously thought she was in, I mean, I knew she was in like 1750 shape Mm. and I was just like, how did this happen this quickly? You know, but and I t- and I told my boss, I told Coach Karen, I was like, yeah. Adelaide is seriously going to be really good,
3: yeah.
2: and and then she was, you know, and I think that that made everybody because because like when when after Christmas when I had Lindsay and Devine come in,
3: mm-hmm.
2: they'd st- everyone had still thrown a meter farther than Adelaide had, so they're not, none of them are, you know, Adelaide is tra- yeah. Adelaide's competing, Lindsay Baker was competing, but she just got into Ohio State, and then Shade and Devine weren't competing. So Shade and Devine were just like looking at Adelaide like she's throwing really far. You know, everybody was like Adelaide's throwing really far, mm. you know. And so I think that that made everybody kind of want to pick up the pace and the intensity a little bit. And I mean, I, I really believe that if we would have had an outdoor season, I think it, something very special like would have gone on. You know, I was really anticipating that because I think everyone was in pretty good shape. Yeah. And they all wanted to beat each other in like you know as a polite a way as you can.
3: yeah, yeah. but
2: I, I I think that's important. I want them to all want to be the best. They have to be because the thing that I'd say to Adelaide, it's like if you're scared of shot A, which maybe you should be,
3: mm-hmm.
2: like how are you gonna compete in the big ten? You know what I'm saying? like if you're if you're scared of shot A or you're intimidated by shot A or you think you're less than her maybe that's okay that's fine but like you better toughen up a little bit if you're going to survive in this conference you know and I think she understood that and I think Sade really helped her kind of grow into herself so it's been really exciting and I think it's going to be even more exciting when we have more time together hopefully in the future.
1: I love that I love that and that's so true that you are getting better together everybody's getting better together and every day you have these teammates that you cannot sleep on right like you can't right, have right, right. and, and they don't want you either right they they want to uh, push you forward they, they're cheering for you and i don't i don't know if there's a school right now and i sh- shouldn't be talking about this because we are not one of those schools either that have four, four girls over 55 or right? 54. We're over that's really unique we're
3: over 56.
1: yeah yeah that's that's such a unique situation and uh, i i'm i know the girls if if they're not excited now they will be in you know years to come when they look back like that's that doesn't happen often that that rarely yeah. happens all right. four of them I love and having a fifth girl coming in which is great 48 that's amazing and then you're still like oh well that's four ahead of you that's <laughs> right. really exciting uh, so what is in, in that note how's your day like in terms of training how do you do you all train together at the same time do you separate uh, groups how does it work how, what's a normal day so like our
2: fall is very different than our obviously that when we're in season um in the fall we have like two separate groups um when you know when we're in our time where we can throw in our 20 hours to throw but we all live together and I think that that's really important um you know like I take a lot of time in deciding like when we get into the weight room like who's lifting with who we have like I call them like our pods, or our groups of threes, and then we have pairs like our doubles. And we do a lot of stuff in the fall where we do—I don't want to say like games, but like challenges or whatever. And there, there'll be like a team situation when we're doing stuff like that. And I really try to organize those groups strategically, you know. So it's like if I had a if I had a pod, it'd be like you know somebody that was like like a Sade or an Adelaide, like a conference champion, and then like a middle grade person that it was a sophomore or junior that it had done well, but wasn't, you know, top tier yet. And then a Mm -hmm. freshman Mm -hmm. and trying to get them to all integrate and just have the older people teach the younger people, the expectation. And I think that when I first got to Ohio state, I had to do a lot of like commanding of the things that I wanted and the expectation. And it was like every little detail of everything. Like how you put the plates on which which way the plates were facing when you put them on the bar like the clips like just the most tedious little stupid things Mm -hmm. but now it's like I don't have to say any of that because like the older ones tell them and it's nice for me because there are times where I can literally sit back and observe and just like let the room run run itself from like a a culture standpoint Mm -hmm. and that's super important to me you know but you have to teach them that first, you know, like I, I was really, you know, Sade was like my first, my first recruit here. And I really, I don't want to say I was hard on her. Like she probably thinks I was hard on her, but I was pretty like particular about every little thing that I wanted done. But now like she knows exactly what I want. Adelaide knows exactly what I want. So when I get a transfer, when I get a freshman, like there's just little things that I don't even have to say that I see them saying to them to like get them in line with the way we do things here and that's so that's that's really nice for me and I think that's how you keep the culture going and you keep mm. the group you know moving along
1: I love what you just said uh, one of my <clears throat> you know I try to read as much as I can obviously we, we we don't have as much time as we were when we were students now recruiting and, and doing all the paperwork but one of my favorite coaches to uh, read about was uh, Joan Wooden he was a yeah. UCLA coach right mm-hmm. Unbelievable era he had at UCLA basketball. He, His biggest thing that would start of the season, he would teach their players how to put socks on. And the player's like, "What? Well, we're NCAA champions. Like, and I'm the best high school kid. Like, what? put the sock on. And he goes, well, if you don't put the socks on, well, you're going to get a blister. If you get a blister, you can't train. If you can't train, you can't play. We lose a game, right? Like we were losing. So the, the thing that you said about putting the weights on, how do you put them on? That is so yeah. profound. I want you guys to pay attention to this, uh, Coach uh, Kovacs. She uh, pays attention to details, and that's so important, right? Building culture, starting from the right. small things to the big things. Uh, that's that's exceptional. I, I think all of us should do that. Uh, really pay attention to details, because, like you said, those little things they add up. They add up, and then and I, just, I think it
3: deals get- a lot with that,
2: like the attitude too. Like in in. For me, the weight room in the fall is so important with just teaching them how to be reverent about practice. Like the way you approach a lift, approach the bar, approach the platform should mirror the way that you approach the ring. And the mentality and like the mental focus to attack a lift needs to be the same as the way you attack a competition throw because you have to practice that mindset. And you have to practice that intensity and you have to practice – teaching yourself to demand something at the drop of a hat, you know? And so like we have fun and like, we really do like have a good time a lot of the time, but I won't put up with sloppy anything because I just feel like it seeps into everything they do. When anything's sloppy, I think it's just like, it just permeates. And I don't want anybody to think that that's acceptable because you can't, you, I don't think you can get it done like that. Some people are really talented and I think you can get away with some stuff, but you know, at the end of the day, the rubber's always going to meet the road and it's going to, it's going to boil down to who's the most prepared and confident. Mm-hmm. And I think that everything you do is an opportunity to, you know, put some hay in the barn, put money in the bank towards your preparedness. And I think a ton of that boils down to mentality and intention
1: there there's no doubt and i have no doubt uh, that that 1 centimeter at the world championships was a product of those meticulous little things that uh that added up right and i uh right. um i really really I get excited when i when i hear coaches when i when I, mean, I see athletes who are so uh d- diligent uh, uh was it stephanie brown what's her brown right she was a discus thrower yeah. from us right. 2008 olympics she was olympic champion right i remember her throwing and and between the throws at olympics she will sit down uh, and then write down in her diary right in her uh, training program like this is olympics no no she's still writing down what she learned in that throw and she has you know four or five more throws to go uh that is that the the makes the decision who's a champion that little centimeter or you know foot whatever makes a difference um that's that's incredible um how then do you uh make workouts for do you does everybody do the same thing? Do you change workouts for different people? How does the programming uh, work at Ohio State?
2: So it for me, it really depends on like when when people are red shirting or sitting out first season, they have a different, completely different protocol. Obviously the javelin throwers. Um the shot disc hammer weight people do similar things, but I structure the rep schemes a little bit differently depending on, you know, how long I think your season's gonna go. Um, you know, like it had, had different reps when, you know, for when we were trying to get Sade to win the weight and the shot indoor, um, from the very beginning, it wasn't a question like, Oh, if you make nationals, like we knew you're gonna make nationals, we knew you're going to go to NCs and we were trying to win NCs. So her setup looked a little bit differently than the people that we knew were, were probably going to end their indoor season at, at the big 10 championship. They do similar things. I think that for me, sometimes Um, there are particular lifts that I think athletes respond better to, like a ballistic lift, for example, like maybe I'll have somebody jerk and maybe I'd have somebody else snatch or somebody else Mm -hmm. clean, depending on what I thought they responded to best later in the season towards their peak. Um, But, you know, for the base and for like the hypertrophy block and stuff, It's, it's, you know, you know how it is. I mean, it's, it's general to specific. So when we're in more of a general state, everybody's, you know, doing more similar things when we're doing like our conditioning stuff in the fall and our general prep in the fall, even the javelin throwers are working together. And I think that's really important. Obviously they're doing different, like it's different weights, but the intensity should all be the same. And I like having the group together when they lift, because for me, we do everything is so individualized on the field with the throwing that I think sometimes it's nice for them to be doing the same thing to be looking over. It's like, you see somebody struggling, and you're like, Oh, well I'm not struggling as hard as they am. Maybe I need to go a little bit harder, you know? And I think it's nice for them to have, to be able to gauge each other in that way. Um, you know, I, I, I really care a lot, a lot, lot, lot about the weight room. I think it's super, super important. I think that, you know, it's, to me, one of the most, impo- one of the most important things it really is. And I don't think, you know every coach doesn't agree with that um but i think it te- it teaches them a lot about you know the way that they need to be and the way they need to behave and and things like that so we do we do take that pretty seriously um and i and i like having them all together even when even when they're not doing the same thing we're all in the same room together at the same time how
1: long is the throwing session how long is the weight room session so in terms of time or is is there
2: well in in the you know in the fall it's different we spend a lot more of our time in the weight room especially when we're like we're in our eight hours and stuff Mm -hmm. then we do throwing we're in our 20 hours like in the fall they'll do general prep stuff for probably six weeks up to six Mm -hmm. weeks which is you know for us like we I take that first six weeks really seriously because Mm -hmm. to me it's not only like getting them in shape it's also preparing their bodies, muscles, minds, for what's coming in the weight room. So yeah. for the first six weeks, we like don't touch a barbell at all.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: If, if, at anything, if anything we do with the barbell, it's teaching like a progression with the Olympics, yeah. but we do like all the general prep stuff we do is small muscle stuff. So it's dumbbells, kettlebells, battle ropes, tires, whatever. Like we do all of that stuff in the beginning mm-hmm. to strengthen the areas that we need to really protect, like our shoulders, elbows, ankles, knees, all those things we know, lower backs that are important for throwers, mm-hmm. and 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 for me, it's also a way to get everybody on the same playing field. Um, and, and you know how it is, Martin. Like yeah. you know, you get a high school kid, and even if you get a strong high school kid, it's like they have strong big muscles, so they have a big bench and they have a big squat and they might have a big deadlift or a clean. Mm-hmm. But a lot of high school coaches were not paying attention to like the VMOs, the ankles, the shoulders, the mobility. And what happens is when your big muscles are too strong and your little muscles are too weak, I mean, we, we all know what happens. You break, yeah, you, you yeah. have injuries. So yeah. for me, those first six weeks, it's about balancing the big muscles and the small muscles, increasing your mobility, flexibility, range of motion, all that type of stuff. And just making sure that I'm evaluating you to see where are the holes? what what could what could potentially cause me a problem when we get into the weight room and we're pushing heavy weight
1: what's the weakest link right you want to make those exactly. weakest links strong so they don't break right that's fantastic uh to hear that you are building that for six weeks for the next eight months so 100%. you're making sure whatever you can do to avoid injuries that can be avoided right totally in terms of academics is it this is uh one of the biggest concerns for most athletes uh, is how I'm gonna balance both right? Can I balance do I have help uh, Ohio State? Will I have advisors? Will I have a tutoring? How does that works for, uh, for your student athletes?
2: I, I told I've told like every parent that's come through Ohio State this it's it, mm-hmm. if you fall through the cracks at Ohio State, you tried like you you're trying to do that because the thing is these and, and the kids like I think that they they act like they don't they don't like this. They're so hawked by everybody, you know, it's like every, you know how it is. We all have staff meetings and and our staff meetings on Monday and the kids know like Monday at 10 o'clock coaches in a meeting. If we get a text during that, like you're, there's going to be an issue. The thing is, it's like we have our academic advisor in there. We have our trainers in there. We have every single person from our support staff in these meetings and we're all sitting there getting on the same page about these kids. And so, you know, the academic advisor comes in and she has all the grades and all the tutors and all this. And and so it's like, we just go through the list and this is mm-hmm. the head coach going through the list for every single person. You know, we, we have tutors, we have an academic advisor, you'll have an on-campus advisor. We have study tables, we have tutors, the whole thing, everything you can possibly have, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we have it. Most of the big schools, yeah. you know, power five schools yeah. will have those. Yeah. A lot of schools have, have those things. Um, yeah. You know, even when I was at, Western Kentucky a mid-major school like we had those things Mm -hmm. um but the reason I say if you fall through the cracks you you tried is because it's not going to be a thing where we see you slipping and we don't we don't try to save you or we see you slipping and we don't provide support or we see you slipping and we don't we're all trying to help you know and so Ohio State is is a very strong academic institution Mm -hmm. I know Virginia is for sure too. Yeah. You know, you guys are always a top twenty public institution. We've been top twenty um, most every single year. I think every single year since I've been at Ohio State. But you know, you're you're the thing about good public schools. You're you're in a mix with the best kids from all over the place. So like Ohio State, I think that ninety two percent of the student body was top ten percent of their class. right Right? so you're in classes with these students that are so high level and it's the same thing you're talking about with the training environment the bottom level just comes up and so like you might have been really good at your school or maybe you weren't that good at your school but like now you're with the best of the best and you have to figure it out you know so like this is not the place to come if you aren't interested in like pursuing you know an academic career that that you're gonna have to work for it's just not the place like it's not the place to come and think you're not going to have to try hard.
1: Yeah, and that's that's uh, one one very good point to keep in mind, uh, guys. If you are recruited by high state, and coach uh, Kovacs is going to look at your the uh, uh, GPAs, they're going to look at your uh, schedules, they're going to look at what your what classes you're taking, your SAT, and if they're still talking to you, it's, that means you have a good sense that they're going to be successful at your school, right? You're not going to get somebody who you you, you believe that's going to struggle so much that all these helps that you have for them is not going to be enough, right? So if you're recruiting them, that means they have the minimum to succeed, right?
3: Right. The minimum and you is a little well higher than
1: usual, but yeah.
2: Right, right, and, and you know there have been students that we brought in mm-hmm. that you know are on the line, whether you know, kind of at a point where it's like you know we know they're going to have to really work to mm-hmm. make it work, and if I don't feel like you're going to do that and take that seriously. Because like, for example, I have two guys in particular that I can think of right off the top of my head that we had, to, we had to really go to the well to get them into school. And, you know, the one guy in particular, like he's still, it's not ever easy for him every semester, but he works his butt off. And every time, that it's, it's a big difference for me when the academic advisor comes in the room and says, you know, this guy's struggling, but he's working his butt off. He goes to his tutors every week. He meets with his professors. And then another kid that maybe was a better student to begin with, oh, they're just not showing up. They're not, that is a very different vibe to me. And like, we'll stick with you. If you're struggling, you have a C, you have a D, but you're working as hard as you can. And we believe it. We're going to stick by you. If you're not going to class, you're not doing, doing your part. Like that's where, you know, and I'm sure you guys are the same way. Like that's very hard for us to wrap our heads around and we don't do real well with that. You know, to me, it's like not showing up to practice on time or forgetting your throwing shoes or it's like, that's, again, like we talk about sloppy behavior stuff yeah. that is a very, that's not how we do it, you know? And I'm sure you, you know what I'm talking about, Martin, because it's definitely, just it's frustrating. Yeah.
1: Definitely, definitely. Uh, the point that you're making, and like you said, these good ac- academic schools, big schools will have these resources to help you. And you really have to try not to succeed. Right. Like John Newell, I talked to John Newell the other day. He's like, yeah, if you really have to be trying, you have to be trying harder not to succeed than to succeed with all the tutors, academic advisors, mentors that you have, right? Right. Uh, so it's really, you really, uh, there's such a net around you that uh, right. you, you follow the steps, right? And then you'll be fine. Uh, so that's great to hear. How, uh, how did you get into throwing in the first place?
2: Um, Where, well, begin? No, yeah.
1: Where does uh, your story uh, begin?
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, this is yeah, got to take this back a little bit. Um, so, well, like I played, you know, like in seventh grade where I'm from, you could start doing sports for your school. So I played basketball. All my friends played basketball. I loved it. After basketball, it's like, all right, well, what are we going to do? And everyone's like, all right, let's just do track. So I started, you know, we did track and it's like, you know, they line everybody up and tell you where to go to what event to try. Yeah. So I would I was sprinting and I liked that because all my friends were there and then the throwing field was across the street and then they wanted me to go over there. And I didn't really know anything about it at all. Like, but I really, I should have probably known more about it because Judd Logan is from my hometown. He went to my high school, and I was in the same class as his son. So like, I knew Judd was an Olympian, and I knew he was Olympian in the hammer. But like, I literally had no idea what the hammer was. I remember asking my parents, like, "What's the hammer?" And you know, they like <laughs> tried to tell me, and I couldn't understand it. And of course, you couldn't YouTube back then, yeah. like you just didn't. But um, but yeah, I went across the street, and I did. I threw and. I like threw the shot, and I remember the first time I did it. And the the coach came up, and he was just like, he took the ball, and he's like, you must have like a six pound shot, you know? And you threw, we threw an eight pound shot when I was in um, middle school. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, throw this one, and I threw that one just as far. And he was like, he like he told me he's like I I don't know like he's like that would like win the conference, you know what you're throwing right now? And I had no idea what was going
1: but on. What does conference you know, mean? No, it was like thirty <laughs>
2: feet, you know. I had no idea what was going on. But I, but I, we started doing meets and like, I would win the shot. And then I was terrible at the disc. I threw the disc like 50 feet. And so I, I went to a meet and a guy came up to me and he was like, did you, and at that point I'd thrown the shot, I think seventh grade, like 35 feet or something. And he was like, did you just throw the shot 35 feet? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, you threw the disc like 50, 60 feet or something like that. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, well, you're throwing it wrong. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you should throw the disc at a hundred feet. And I just remember being like, there's, I told him, I was like, there's no way I could throw the disc at a hundred feet. I looked at him and I thought he was crazy. And so he showed me those drills where you like throw it up and you bullet. Cause I was throwing it like out of the back of my hand. Oh, yeah. I was doing it like this. Yeah,
3: yeah,
2: And so the next meet, like I went and I did the drills on the side and I t- threw it up and I threw 107 feet. And I just remember being like, I was so like blown away, yeah. you know, that like, I do was doing it wrong, right?
3: and,
2: yeah. And then you learned how to do it better. And I feel like that to me, just like, then I like loved it. You know, I thought it was like so fun to try to see, well, what if I do this better? What if I do that better? What if I get a little stronger, you know? And so by the time I was in high school, I, wanted to throw 50 feet in high school. Like I wanted, my goal was to break the state record. Mm -hmm. I had the state record in Ohio for seven years. I ended up throwing the disc like in the one sixties. And I just, I loved it. You know, I really, really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was fun to just see how much better I could get. Um, You know, so that's kind of how I got into it. And I mean, even by the time I was getting recruited, you know, some of the coaches that that are still in the game that recruited me like, coach blue recruited me um when he was at north carolina and obviously doug and then coach chargin at south carolina and you know they asked me like you know what do you want to do what do you want to major in and what do you want to be and i told them all i wanted to coach you know i knew i wanted to coach from the time i was you know pretty young like i just i really enjoyed it and i kind of figured that was what i was going to do um so yeah that's kind of how i got started in it
1: yeah that's like so exciting to hear and obviously that's why you have continuous passion to, uh, to the sport because you really, you don't fake this. You really love this sport. You, that This is part of you since the beginning, right? Of, of your, uh, your high school career, right? So the uh, early age, you really fell in love with it. That's so great to see. Is that something that you're looking for in the athletes too? Like do you, when you're recruiting, do you see how they are around the ring? Are they excited about their throwing or?
2: I just, I think that's so important, you know, and I, And like, Joe has to tell me all the time. Like, I think, like, it's very important to me that they like it. And when they don't really like, like it, I don't get it. (laughs) And like, that's, that's, but it's not, it's not really like fair, you know, like Joe, Joe, like what I say, he's like, you're not gonna find a girl, especially a girl that probably likes it the way that you did, like, we we joke all the time, like, that I like it more than he does. And I, you know, maybe I do, you know, like, and I don't know. I mean, I probably do. I'm not, he's like, he's like, I couldn't do what you do, you know? And, but at the same time, it's like, you know, Sade is a good example. Mm. Sade didn't love track, you know, she Mm. loved basketball. She's very, she's very Mm. into her academics. Like, she's a great student, Mm. um, very intelligent, wants to be a doctor, the whole thing. Mm. And like, that the track thing wasn't, her passion Mm -hmm. and I think that over the years she's learned to like love it and she likes it a lot more than she did in the first place. I think she, Shadé loves to compete but shade doesn't like sit there and like think about how much I love the shot put. You know she doesn't do that. She likes it when she does it but it's not something that like is gonna you know keep her up at night for you know three weeks in a row and but that's okay you know and it you know and obviously she's done she's better than I ever was you know and she's made a uh, she had a great career for herself so far. And, you know, so everybody doesn't have to do it mm-hmm. the way I did it. Mm-hmm. I think you look for people like you because you understand
3: mm-hmm.
2: it. Mm-hmm. I, I like it when they like it. You yeah. know, like I like Nick Demoline was a good example. Like we, mm-hmm. we had a really good vibe. Mm-hmm. We got along really well. He's intense. You know, he wanted it. He was competitive. He yeah. was hard headed And like, yeah. We just I got him, you know. And I understand Sade too in a different way. Sade is such a an elite competitor Mm -hmm. that I think we we vibe on that level. But, you know, I do want them to like it. You know, I want them to care about it because you're doing it for so many hours of the day. Yes. If you don't like what you're doing, like what are you doing? You know, if you you're gonna if you don't like coming to practice, yeah, you shouldn't come to practice. Yeah, you know, you shouldn't be doing this. You know, so I think if you don't really care about it, and I don't know how you feel about this, Martin, but like for me with a high school kid, if you're not sure if you like it that much, you're going to have a really hard time doing it at this level because the Mm. demand is so high. And this is my job to make sure that these guys are performing Mm. appropriately. Mm. And so like, if you're not into it, and I'm pressing on you like, hey, we got to get going, you're not going to like that, you know, so I don't know. I mean, what do
3: you, what do you think about
1: that? Brian? That's ex- exactly exactly what uh what, what I'm looking for as well. And I love that you can see the difference or, and you understand this, right? Not everybody's going to be as excited. Not everybody's going to have that showing of uh, their enthusiasm like you do, like, like Joe does, right? Like Adam <laughs> Nelson did, right? Um, right? There's some people who just don't express themselves, but you can see that they're like it, right? They don't, you know, they shout. I have athletes that don't speak much, but I know, I know when they do something that in, in, in a weight room or at the track, you know, you can see that, that, that their demeanor go, you know, changes. Like, okay, that's perfect, right? I want you to, regardless of how you express it, I want you to enjoy it because you're spending so much time. I had a conversation with one of my athletes long, long time ago. Uh, one of my first athletes, like, you, were, I would see him staring at the wall, sometimes in a weight room, right? He was uh, he would just there like, what is going on? I, I want you to be happy. I want right. everybody to be happy. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be pobo happy, right? right. Uh, but it has to be that you are you know, having a joy coming to this because you cannot be the best that you are in something that you don't enjoy, right? So you're not going right. to put your 100%, your soul, your effort. You're not going to go at night in bed and think about, oh, what could I have done better, right? Uh, so it's just a waste of your time.
3: Right. Let alone,
1: our time, right? Like you are wasting your talent or not? You know, go right. somewhere that you like because you're gonna be the best at it if you if you really enjoy it. So that's definitely uh, one of the biggest things that I'm looking for. Like, do you like this throwing thing, right?
2: Right. Yeah, and I think that culture has a lot to do with that too. Like, you know, it's it's just funny now that like I have you know four girls that are at, at like a high level. Mm. Like Lindsay Baker loves to throw. You know, and she, I think she thinks about it all the time. Like if Lindsay Baker had you know, a few hours to kill and it was a nice day out. Like she'd go outside and throw, you know, she likes it that much. She just do it for leisure. Like that's, she likes it a lot. Adelaide is to me, she really enjoys the process. I think like Adelaide is a good trainer. So like she comes to practice, she has her coffee, she does her little routine. She enjoys training. I think, you know, that she likes to lift. Um, Sade loves competing you know, she is, that is like her big deal. She's, she'll compete anytime, anywhere, anyplace mm-hmm. with anybody. And like, that's, that's what gets her excited. So she knows I have to practice and do well at practice to be able to compete the way I want to compete. Mm-hmm. You know, like there was a point with her where we talked a lot about like, you're, it was like, she could create so much power in the weight that, but her technique is like, I would tell her, try to like you, you create so much horsepower and your technique is so faulty that it cannot support your power mm-hmm. output. So if you want to throw really far, you need to, we need to straighten that out so you can stabilize your, your power and put it into the ball. And I think eventually, because I think that's one of the things that really like changed her in, her in her senior year and the weight was just like she got better at turning and she was able to apply all the power that she had. And mm-hmm. she liked that. I'm like, you'll be able to compete the way you want to compete if you mm-hmm. get your technique better. So when we're at practice, we need to focus on that. You know. Mm-hmm. And so then that motivated her to practice better. You know, I think, you know, like I haven't learned as much about divine as as, you know, and I'm excited to learn more about how she operates, but she's very, you know, she she wants to understand and be able to apply the technical concepts so that she understands it. So it's like all four of those girls kind of go at it very differently yeah, to get yeah. the same result. And I think as a coach, it's really important to know how your athletes tick yeah. and what's important to them. You know, like Joe is extremely extrinsic, extrinsically motivated. Mm-hmm. So like He has to have, like he says, carrots. So it's like if it's a meat that doesn't mean anything, you know, in terms of like, I'm not going to make the team, I'm a medal, whatever it is, Mm. his motivation is different at different times, types of the times of the year, different places he's in. And he has to have an incentive Mm. to really get him to like lock in and get very, very focused to like do what he has to do. So Mm. I think as a coach, like, if you want to have like an X factor with your kids, you better understand them and really understand them, you know, so that when it comes down to it, you know what you need to do or say, or what they need to do to get them to get them to the next level or get them to be able to compete.
1: Uh, it's, it's, it's crucial. It, it, you can't go other way around it. If you want to get the best out of the person, right. Uh, right. You have to know your athlete, how they perform. Uh, you mentioned the process, right? one of your athletes loves the process. One of the athletes wants to compete. Right. So. Getting to know, you know, knowing that fact will help you help them even more, right? Mm-hmm. And and you obviously pay a lot of attention to that, that you are not uh, putting the same mold towards every person, right? Even though they might be the same height, the same size, same strength. Mentally, you're, you're going deep, right? Like, you're going, like, what ticks you, right? What's your character?
2: Yeah, right? you, awesome. you know, like, the things that I say to Adelaide, I would never, ever say to Shadek. Sh- 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 the things I said to Nick Demline, I would never say to anybody else, you know, it's just, and if you can't do that, I don't think you're going to be as effective. And to be honest with you, like, I truly, truly believe that part of the reason that I've had the success that I've had with the people I've had is because of that, you know, and I think a lot of that too boils down to, and that's why, like I said, with Divine and Lindsay, I don't know them as well as I know Adelaide and Sade, mm-hmm. just because they haven't been here as so long, but you know, for me, it boils down to, to trust communication and respect are like the pillars of every relationship, like any relationship, like a friendship, your relationship with your boss, your relationship with your athletes, relationship with a significant other. And it's like, you build those pillars and then you're able to really learn that person, trust them, communicate appropriately with Mm -hmm. them. And that's when everybody is at their best. Even, even me, the more you understand me as your coach, the more you understand the way I communicate and what is important to me and what makes me tick, the better I am at helping teach you what makes you tick or understanding what makes you tick, you know? And I think that that's super, super, super important is those, the ability to have those um, communication skills with your athletes, you know? And that's another thing that boils back down to recruiting, Martin, you know, like I've had kids that I that had not thrown that far that I really had a, a good vibe with that. I was like, you know, I needed that kid in my program. You know, we, we just got a girl um, from Ohio that's coming here. And she thrown pretty well, but you know, kind of like on our on our like lower standards for like the people we have in. But I think she's a great athlete and has mm-hmm. like an awesome personality. And I, you know, I, I introduced her to head coach and I said, like this is somebody I think can be really, really good. And I really like her a lot. And I wanted her bad. I might have wanted her as bad as somebody that thrown, you know, eight feet farther than she had. Cause I truly believe that we're going to have a good vibe and like, we're going to be able to bring out the best in each other and she's going to have a good career here, you know? So that it it all kind of like, to me, it all connects. Mm. And I think in the recruiting process, you know, it, it is a lot more like you said than just the numbers. It's like, are we going to get, are we going to get along well? Are we going to have a good vibe? Somebody might not want the type of energy that I, that I have, that I bring. They might want somebody that's a little bit more, you know, laid back or handles things a little bit differently. Um, you know, I've never been accused of being a laid back coach and uh, or a laid back person in, in general. So if, if you're somebody that that needs that, I'm not going to be that for you. Yeah. You know, and that's okay. That's perfectly okay.
1: And I, I think that's why your athletes uh, like you so much. You know, girls and guys, you uh, click with them uh, same way. I, I remember at meets, they're coming up to you, you know, and you, you have all these things that you tell them. Like, okay, remember what we did? Like, You have very specific uh, directions for them. This is why you did it. You have to adjust this. And you have this energy, and you're walking around, checking it, and they can rely on that. They know that Coach Kovac, you know, Ashley's looking after me. She's going to give me a good advice. I'm going to go back to her. Uh, they don't come to you. Um, there's a difference that I see sometimes athletes like look at you and like, Oh, please help me. Right. Like I'm drowning. Right. They look at you. Your athletes are confident. They're like, Oh, I screwed up. But okay. What can I do? Like they don't have that fear. You know, sometimes uh, you see the difference. uh, And I think because of that, because of the relationship you have because you're so detailed and so involved with them and you, you cannot fake that. That is you cannot fake caring for your athletes for, for, for a a long time. Right. Like they will figure out that real quick after those six weeks, like, oh, this coach is kind of like on the phone. They're like, oh, all over the place. Yeah. But you have them the whole time, year, two, three, four. And when they trust you that much, they know that you are giving everything of your knowledge and your time and everything else, right? All the research that you have, put it into them. They're so much more confident. And you, you will get best out of them. And that's what I see at the meets. Their athletes are so excited to throw. And even when they don't throw far, they're like, okay, you know, next time I'll do better. Uh, I, I love that about your culture that you're building. So it, it comes you. obviously from you. It's so important for a coach to have that, to set that example for athletes. And I like that you are saying like, if you're not that kind of athlete, this is not a place for you. I will get the best out of it. I will be on you. I will make sure that you're doing your best uh, if that's not what you're looking for. I mean, uh, I just,
2: I don't think that, you know, I don't think everywhere is the best fit for everyone. You know what I'm saying? And I think that th- that's the thing. Like, I think people, and I, I had this experience. Like, I thought I knew exactly where I wanted to go. I went on a bunch of visits, and I ended up, I went to Ashland at first for a semester. Um, and then I ended up transferring to Kentucky just because I wanted to go to a bigger school. But, you know, I liked Ashland's culture. That was the best, at that time, that was the best fit for me. Um, and I think that it's important for, for athletes and, you know, for, like, student athletes and recruits to, to, like, really ask themselves, is this somebody... That I see myself with every day talking to, and if things get rough, even anything, like what if something happens personal to you that you need to, to like confide in this person, do you feel comfortable doing that? Like I had a girl recently and she was like, she was going to go somewhere else because they, you know, it was a, it was a bigger offer it was a smaller school, a bigger offer. And I understood. And I said to her, I was like, look, that. I understand the financial side of it, that you're going to pay less money to go there. I understand. I really wanted to have you. I I wish you the best. Good luck. Mm -hmm. And she called me back a couple of days later and she said that, you know, the coach from the other school called her and she just watched the phone ring and didn't answer it. And then she called me and I was like, well, if you are going to watch the phone ring when he calls you, you know, and then you're going to call me, like that should be a, a kind of like a context clue for you. Yeah. Like, that that's not like what you're really feeling. Uh-huh. You'd rather, you know, like, maybe you feel like we have a better connection or whatever it is. I was like, you need to pay attention to that. So it's like, you might think you want to go to Ohio State, but then you go to Virginia and you have a better vibe with Martin. It's like, then you should go to Virginia. Yeah. And it might upset me at the time and I'm like oh man I lost I lost one to Martin but at the same time like it's about what's the what the best fit is for you.
3: Yeah.
2: And it's if it's the best fit for you it's probably going to be the best fit for the coach too right. and then you're going to get the best out of the coach. So right. I think that it's really important to make sure you have people around you yeah. that you're going to vibe with hmm. because if not you guys are just going to be bumping heads and it's not going to be it's not going to be good for anybody.
1: There's you can you can earn more money. You can build another house. If you lose a house, you can buy a new car, you know, make money for a car. You cannot take time away. You cannot right. make more time. There's just right. time that you have. And if you're not spending this precious, you know, there, uh, there, there's no price you can put it on, right? This is your life. You're spending all this time with someone that you don't like or you're not clicking. That's such a waste of life, right? right. Like you're wasting totally. a life opportunities that you could have had, good times that you could have had not just, like you said, you have fun on practice and then you work hard as well, right? Like you're right. building yourself a legacy for, for your life. You're building yourself up. That is no price to put on that. I, I always I say to you same, same way to our athletes that I recruit. Like, hey, I don't want you here if you're not happy here. Like, there's right. no money. There's no nothing. Like, yeah. I want you to be happy first. I understand same thing. Sometimes we don't have scholarships, right? Uh, but if you don't think this is the place for you to be right now, uh, and you feel somewhere else is the place, and I know that that coach also is a good coach, right? It, it, there's a, it's a good school, it's a good fit. I'm not gonna feel bad, right? Like I'm not right. gonna be like, oh. Um, one example: one of the athletes that went to uh, Tennessee, um, I was happy for her. Like I would love to have her here. She's an amazing <laughs> athlete, but she went there. I knew Joan was gonna take care of her, and I right. knew that mm-hmm. group is good. Uh, so it was fine, right? It, yeah. was, it was fine, and and that's when you were truly care about as you do for your athletes uh, i know that you're not going to be um heartbroken you're going to be happy if that athlete's going to a good place right? right um even though you know the the money or whatever difference they're going to be taken care of and that's right. the point of the whole sport uh, track and field is a small part if we are not doing everything that we can to raise this sport up as a culture right it's like a you know, CrossFit, people love CrossFit, right? right? There's no Olympics in CrossFit, but millions of people, I think, because they have that group, they have the community, right. they're training together, they're building up, they're going to log in, they're going to look for more, you know, crazy exercises to do. Uh, right. And the sport is going up. I think that's so crucial what you're doing for our sport. And people ask me, one of the parents asked me to ask you, uh, what can we do to make this sport better? The shot put is not on, uh, on the screens, right? The, the track and field, Uh, it's itself is not dying, but throwing, it's not being shown on TV. What can we do to make it uh, the better?
2: Well, I think that, you know, this is something I've thought about more recently just, you know, from Joe. And I think that, you know, I think that, like you said, like the CrossFit thing, I think that it's becoming more like acceptable, cool to be like a strong person, even a strong woman. Like when I was in high school, no one lifted, no girls really lifted besides me. I mean, some of the basketball team might go in there and do some light stuff, but like nobody was doing like a hardcore training program, you know? And I remember when I got to college, it was like the first time I was like, oh my gosh, there's other girls that like do this. And I loved that, you know? And I think that things like that are really going to help our sport. I think that, you know, the more people that we can get to pay attention to what's going on, you know, for example, like. What happened at Worlds last year was a huge deal. And I think that the people in the throwing community realized that it was. But I just think that we didn't – there probably could have been a better job done of putting it into perspective of what happened. You know, you had three guys within one centimeter of each other. And, like, the way that I explain that is, like, imagine – I've been to probably, same as you, Martin, probably hundreds of track meets at this point in my life. Like, from middle school all the way until, like, my present day – I can't think of one time that I was even at a dual meet at a middle school meet on a Thursday night where there were three people separated by a centimeter, even yeah. if they were like last second to last and third to last, like yeah. that never happens. You know, yeah. even if people are like, you know, a tie is rare, people being one centimeter apart is rare, three people being one centimeter apart at the highest level. I mean, and, and to think too, that those were the farthest throws in the last 30 years. It's like, how can we put that into better perspective that people can understand? Yeah, you know, and like I think that it, it, that that's what it's going to have to take. I think we're going to have to be able to to put it into perspective a little bit better yeah. of what these guys are actually doing mm-hmm. to make it to explain how unique and like impressive it actually is.
1: That was I have not seen a movie or you know there's a documentary about Michael Jordan now, and he's incredible. Uh, what happened in Doha? In my, you know, I'm a big basketball fan too. I watch NBA. The uh, Tony Kukoc, Croatian guy, playing for Bulls. Right? I would get up at four in the morning to watch uh, watch the games. Uh, I was never as excited, and it's really, a, and I was just, uh, it was amazing to see <laughs> that competition from the beginning, opening about 22.90, and then right. you got uh, you got Krauser missing all on a sudden, and and you know this, it, it's just for Joe to finally, finally, he's world champion twice now, right? But uh, to finally this year to kind of get it, uh, get it into that throw, and he has done it on practice. I remember here at UVA when you guys came over, and you were like Martin, like tell him, tell him how far you throw in warm up. I'm like, you know, it was over 23, 23, 30. This is the 24 mark. Like Joe, like, like see, this, you're gonna do it. You're gonna do it. And then he finally does it, right? And, right. and then he's jumping around like this is insane i'm jumping in my office how exciting was that for you too like you knew he can throw far you knew and you were telling him like yeah you're gonna you're gonna throw 23 right um how exciting was for, for you to see that uh to fruition uh at that level
2: it's like it's still crazy to think about you know like it's still it, i feel like it's one of those things that we really it, it's going to be like what you said about the girls and you'll they'll realize how special this was later like this is probably going to be something that we're, it's going to just, you know, it's going to be like a fine wine type situation. It's just over time, we're going to see, you know, it's just going to get better and better. But the thing for me was, I think there was a point, I know there was a point where he he kind of gave up on himself a little bit. And I just think that he, it was a lot of different things. He's been doing it for a while. I think he was just kind of like lost his, there were other things that he was interested in. Like he became a pilot, you know, he went, he went down to Florida and like he was a pilot, you know, he became a pilot. So it was like, he liked to do that. We have a house. He likes the yard. We planned our wedding. Like there were all these things that we were doing that he was like interested in doing these projects. And I think that he just kind of was like not into it. And then he got back into it he was trying some different things and it just wasn't clicking. And he just was like, kind of like over it a little bit he was just frustrated Mm -hmm. and and then it became a thing where it's like well maybe you know I think he was like well maybe I'll be done and then he didn't really want to be done and it was like well if you don't want to be done then we need to just really do Do it it right right. and just give it another give it a chance at least through you know 2020 Mm -hmm. and see and then he really started liking it again like he said like I like really was enjoying it like we had a good you know it's like you asked about our schedule it was like you know, he would. Come, I would have practice with with the Ohio State people. He would come later. He'd watch some of their practice. He'd get ready. And sometimes, like you know, he throws with the group. Some sometimes he'll throw with a couple of the guys. You know, I kind of like make like hand pick a group that he likes to train with or whatever. Sometimes he'll throw with the guys, whatever it is. And he started really enjoying like what we were doing, and it was also cool. Like you know, like we went to your meet at UVA, and it was like. I went to the meet with Ohio State. He he flew in a couple of days later, and he knows my group, and it was comfortable, and it was cool, and like he he was enjoying that, mm. you know. So, but it was it wasn't easy, like you know, like you said at UVA at UVA Challenge, that was his first meet mm. of of 2019, and he was warming up like out of control, like yeah. I couldn't see, I couldn't really. When he throws sometimes so far over like the last line, I don't really know how far he's throwing, but I knew it was far. Like I knew it was over 22 meters for sure. I knew it was, everyone knew, like they were bouncing and rolling onto the track, you know? And that's why I said to you, Martin, like you were out there and I was like, give me some sort of, and you had the tape out there and you know, he's always like, Oh, seeing far warm up is nothing new to me. It doesn't count. So he's thrown far. First round he fouls and then he just mm. completely back down and just like shut it down basically. Yeah. You know, so it's not, it's like he, and that's the thing we said, like, okay, if you were throwing that far in warmups, ups you're capable of throwing that far right now. You're mm. capable of doing that. Now we just need to clean it up and, and do it in the ring. Like it's, mm. that's it. Like it's there. It's clearly there. So we knew it was there. You know, like, like you said, like I knew it was there. Other people had seen it. Like, so after UVA Martin, he went to Doha and, and for the first diamond league Yeah. and um who was it uh somebody was telling me I think oh Dagata told me Degada was like I've never seen anybody warm up as far as I was seeing Joe warm up in Doha and I was like really he's like yes and then somebody had measured one and it was almost 23 meters Mm. and and they told him about it or whatever and you know of course you know he doesn't he doesn't give that much Mm -hmm. okay whatever I had a far warm up you know I didn't win the meet I didn't throw that far at the meet whatever so we knew he was capable and he was so strong you know, he was like stronger than he'd ever been.
3: Yeah.
2: And we just kept like chipping away at it, you know, mm-hmm. and it was like every day chipping away, chipping away. And, and the, throughout the whole thing, I started to learn more. Like, you know, we talked about, like it was only the second year that he lived in Columbus, the mm-hmm. second year that I'd seen him throw every day. So I was still learning him, you know, in that way. And so as it went on and I'm trying to learn more about what makes him tick, what he needs to do, these types of things, what, what does he need to feel comfortable You know Mm -hmm. what? What makes him feel comfortable? Like okay, let's say he'd have a big throw, and then I have to think to myself, what led up to that? Like what was his vibe? Like what was going on that led up to to that? And then just you know getting more comfortable with each other in in that in that way in that environment, you know. And um, in Doha, like well, he did really well at USA's, which were you know I mean you want to talk about my my resting heart rate was like 170. (laughs) Like I was seriously like I was. Like that was the worst
3: ever
2: because like I didn't know what he was going to do. You know, like he, he hadn't thrown that far in the year. He'd thrown like 21 mid, I think. Yeah. And there were a lot of guys capable. And I'm like, I was already, I was coaching that team. I was the men's coach for for, for USA. So I'm like, okay, so I'm going to Doha. You know what I mean? Like.
1: Is he (laughs) going?
2: Yeah. And and that was the thing. Like we, we couldn't even talk about it. We didn't even talk about it, you know? And it was just like, but he'd been training really well, you know, yeah. but he didn't care. He trained real well. So it's like, I don't know. First, you know, first throws over 22 and I'm just like, you know, that, I swear it just felt like somebody Wise. just like lifted a <laughs> off of my body in that moment, you know, but, um, but in Doha, like we really thought he could PR and that was the whole thing. That was the whole thing the whole time. When we were in Doha, he had like a few practices where he just threw his, he was throwing so far. Yeah. And but again, nothing we hadn't seen before, whatever.
3: Mm.
2: And in, in round six, like he'd thrown like he was throwing like twenty-one high and he was fourth.
3: Yeah. And
2: I just said to him, I'm like, you know, like these are nice throws, but they're yeah. not helping. Like nothing except for your PR is helping mm. you right now. Mm. That's it. Like it's either like you throw a PR or you foul yeah. the throw. Yeah. Another twenty-one ninety is pretty, but it's not gonna you're not gonna get a medal. It's not gonna make anything any better. So it's yeah. like either like foul far throw or get a far throw that stays in the ring yeah. either way like you have to make it go and and now he just it's like you have nothing to lose and I think that was the first time in a long time he actually felt like yeah you know what I don't have anything to lose like I I'll get fourth it'll be a mm-hmm. good showing or I can try to do something crazy and he just was like he just flipped the switch yeah. and that, that's exactly to me how it went you know he flipped the switch and it was just oh. like it wasn't like I was like oh my gosh I cannot believe he's capable he threw,
1: of yeah he, he can do it he can do it yeah, yeah.
2: We knew he could do it. Now, was I surprised he did it that way in that moment? I'm not going to say I wasn't. You know, I was, you know, it was crazy. It was there, crazy.
1: There, it's a, the, I mean, the, talk about fairy tales. Like, if you wrote that, and people have about this so many times, if you wrote that in a script, you will be like, this is so far-fetched. Yeah. This is so far-fetched. This is, not, the people are not going to believe this. This is a terrible story. And it happens in front of yeah. your eyes. I cannot even imagine how it was to be. Around so many people, 80,000, whatever, how many people was the stadium? And, and out of nowhere, like, shopping is, like, the main event. Like, something's crazy happening. We were jumping here on TV. I can only imagine how you felt there. Uh, just yeah, your husband being a world champion in that way.
2: It was definitely intense. And like you said, like, we didn't, I didn't realize that, like, everyone was looking at us. You know, I didn't realize, like, I didn't realize it. until you were in the like, moment. Yeah, I, I had no idea. But then, I, like, I saw a video from somebody else that was, like, from the other side of the stadium. And, like, you could see everybody, like, looking at us, you know, when he came over to me. And I just, like, in the moment, I had no idea what was going Like, yeah. I had no idea that people were paying attention or that the running event stopped or anything like that. Like, it was just, you know, it was very, like, you know, it's like anything else. Like, you know how it is, Martin, when you have some, you have an athlete. And it's like, you know, it's, like, it's crazy because that's my husband, you know. And yeah. so there's a lot there. There's a lot going on emotionally. Because you know, you never want your athlete to do bad. Is it yeah. but like you never want your spouse or your, you know, your husband to be upset. And so for me, it's like I don't want to see him upset. And that was like such a huge moment. It was just like so many things going on emotionally. You know, that you just the context and everything around me was so blurred. Mm. But yeah, it's really it's really awesome. It's a really awesome memory and it's definitely something that we'll definitely remember forever.
1: I, I don't think a person can get that high without drugs i mean that was i mean being like a like you know weed or whatever that that's that moment that ecstasy that i was watching in in terms of track right and i can only imagine what you guys felt there right when that moment that this is all coming together right and like, this is like real that's not i'm not dreaming it's not a dream right this is right. real life um like that uh like that uh, video of that kid like is this real life <laughs>
0: like, yeah yeah yeah
1: Amazing. I'm so happy for you to, to that it happened to you guys, too. Obviously, th- those guys are amazing as well. Uh, Ryan and uh, Tom Walsh. Oh, yeah. Uh, and Paul uh, Darlan, right? Uh, he gets fourth.
3: With, with That's
2: crazy. Yeah, and he's awesome, too. All those guys are just... And they, yeah. they all had such a great year, too. Like, yeah. they all are so, so mm. good, you know? Like, they're all so good. Like, And if you even think about, like, 10 years ago, like, you think about, like, you said, Nelson and Cantwell and you know, Reese and all those guys, and it's like, and you think about these guys now, and it's just like, it's just crazy, you know, to think about how, how it is, and like, how, like, you know, like, sometimes I ask Joe, I'm like, Joe loves Adam Nelson, you know, and, and he really, I mean, like, he's friends with Cantwell, and he really, you know, liked Reese, he has a lot of respect for all those guys, and like, I just like, ask him, like, I just feel like he doesn't realize, like, people look at you the way that you looked at those guys, yeah. you know, the way you like idolized Adam Nelson, like he yeah. loves Adam Nelson.
3: Yeah.
2: I think he likes him for a lot of reasons. I think he likes that He's really intelligent. And then I think he likes that he did his own thing, his own way. And like me, people, yeah. get, you know, criticized or, Hey, if you didn't do this with your left leg or you did that differently. And he didn't care. Like he stuck to his guns. And I, and I know he loved his intensity mm-hmm. and the way he competed, but it's like, there, there are kids that see that Joe that way, of course, Mm -hmm. how could they not, you know, and I don't think he gets that. And I think sometimes I might even like lose sight of that because you're in it, you know, so you don't think about it that way, but you know, those guys right now are all so good Mm -hmm. and they've done so much for the sport and for the shot put and they've just, you know, and you look at Tom and Joe and it's like, Mm -hmm. they're not big. I mean, in terms of like, I mean, they're big for like a normal person, but like in terms of like thrower big, they're not like, they're not like, oh, you pick them out of a lineup to be a thrower or whatever. And they're doing it at such a high level. It's like, it's changing the way everybody thinks about the way that it can be done.
1: And and to go to exactly the point, to go back to that uh, thing, we talked about how we can make this sport more attractive to other people is it's so exciting to see you guys so humble. Joe is such an incredible guy. You're an incredible person. I think you're the, the the strongest couple out there in track and field. It's just amazing how you get along. Not just that, but because you're so humble and nice people, and you are bringing this sport to uh, everybody, right? So those kids that come up to Joe and and you, right? That you are willing to talk to them, and then you're more than willing to share your knowledge. It's something that stays in you for a long time. I remember, even uh, for for myself, Jason Tanks, right? I'm I'm still in college. I'm you know this guy is for me like you say, you know those like Joe looks at those guys, Nelson, right? Um, I'm like this is the you know dinosaur this is a you know high high class guy he's never going to talk to me I sent him an email you know you know I'm I'm struggling with bench press you know uh, how how do you have any advice and he writes me back this long email I'm like oh my god like I love this sport right <laughs> <That's> <laughs> this is awesome. like, like a small thing like that can make right. a big difference and then you have every you know it trickles down to around and the families uh, and this is how you, we make uh, the sport more attractive to everybody and to see that this sport makes you a better person, it ma- makes you a better in everything that you do, right? Now, now, right. and I love in your relationship, like you never gave up on uh, on Joe, not just because he's your husband, obviously, right now, but that you saw that and you keep drilling, like, no, no, you can, you'll do it, you'll do it, you'll do it. And I love how responding that. How is that? How is being, you know, wife to a uh, world champion, like, and being a coach, right? Like, How's that I mean, the, the
2: kids at Ohio State will tell you, like it was not always easy. Like there, there were some really, really tough days. I mean, the same as anybody else. The difference is like, okay, not only the husband and wife deal, but the fact that like, this is his livelihood. So like, I get mad if my job isn't going well, a businessman would get mad if his job wasn't going well. You know, anybody doing any job is going to get frustrated if it's not going well. And you bring it home. Like you bring that, like you don't want to bring it home, but like if you have a bad day at work, you don't come home just like you know singing with the birds or whatever. Like you're you're you, man, I had a long day; it was tough. And so it's like when that was going on, when when things we were trying to still figure things out, it was tough, you know, because he was frustrated with how he was doing. I was frustrated because I couldn't help him better, you know. And the thing was, it was just like I think a lot of it with Joe was like Joe felt like he had to have this certain like. Persona about himself to throw far, like he felt like he had to like be angry all the time. Like he literally would say this: "He's like, and I'm not angry, or like I'm not like that when I'm around you. You know what I mean? Like I'm not, you know, like ready to just like you know like punch somebody go in the, through face. the wall, right?
3: But, go, go through yeah, the wall. Yeah. and it's
2: like okay, and I'm like, I'm like, I don't know what part of me at practice is like, you know, like radiating happiness, but like, you know, <laughs> like he, like literally. So then we started like he would go." like go somewhere beforehand. Like he'd go get coffee or he'd go get something to eat by himself. Mm-hmm. And like, we've gotten away from that because he's learned, how, we've learned how to do it. But it was like, he kept trying to like, he was used to when he was at the training center, kind of like making it like a, a show at practice, mm-hmm. you know, this like almost like this mini meet, this high energy, just like intensity. And like, he talks about this all the time. Like he's trained with Ryan and Darrell, and then you come here and you're with, even if I have really good college kids, it's not the same energy. It's not the same show. You don't have, you know, people from different countries coming in and watching you and ooing and eye and like, it's just normal. It's like a normal environment, you know? And so he didn't know how to be that in that, in, in that environment. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, I think that one, when, when he started kind of like learning how he needed to, to be and how he needed to train like that. So like the way he is now, like, and this is the thing I think people don't get. He doesn't throw far all the time. You know what I mean? If you come to Ohio state, like on a random day, if he squatted two days ago, you're not going to see him throwing 23 meters. You're just not, he's not going to do that. You know? And so he's, you know, we've, we've learned to pick and choose the days that we make intense. And when we have intense days, it's Mm going to be an intense day. So I might tell the guys like, Hey, um, we're going to throw really hard on Thursday. Mm -hmm. So you got to bring good energy. Like, let's get going. We're going to, you know, we're gonna listen to music. We're gonna, we're going to like have like a vibe practice. And so then I'll make that group just for Joe, you know, and it the guys love it. You know, if you get picked to kind of be in that group, yeah. they love it and they go nuts for it. You know, the, and it's just, we don't really talk. We don't, it's not a whole lot of this and that. It's like two word cues, mm-hmm. do this, do that, keep it moving, keep it popping. And it's just intense. And he'll have one of those every couple of weeks when he, when he's feeling it. And that's how we, you know, that's how we do it. But it took some time for us to kind of set up the way that we needed to do that. And I think that it's like anything else. When I learned what made him tick, and I'm still learning every day, but it's like I really try to pay attention. You know what I'm saying to what he needs. And when I started to realize it, I just tried to make my my re- use my resources to help mold the things around what he needed. And we've we've been able to do that. And now it works out really, really well.
1: Really, really, really well. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. Uh, but I I'm uh, amazed and i 'm so happy to see that Joe took that leap of faith, right so you 're going from something that you know that works for you or worked for you, and now you 're kind of struggling and then he did took a leap of faith, basically right uh, well, not leap of faith, he knew that you know what you 're talking about, obviously you 're experienced and you he 's coming into this environment that he hasn 't been before that, that doesn 't work for him, but he 's not giving up he 's like, okay, this is either going to be really amazing or the worst case scenario what i 'm still a world champion, right, so right. I can only get better. And but you don't see that many athletes at that level willing to listen to some cues or or, or find different things that might work for them at that late, uh, basically, right? Late, late in career, yeah. Uh, so that's really impressive to see how you guys are reinvented, reinventing them yourselves along this way. Like you say, you're still finding the cues that work for him, and who I mean, that's just incredible to see. You would think 2250, that was his max, he fouled out. Uh, all those guys, 2250 that's the mark. But then you go on and do this. And then I think uh, that's one very important lesson to for, for life, that there's not a, better things you can do. You got to switch it out. You can't just be, you know, I'll reach my max. That's it. I'm, I'm, I'll am lay down. That, that's it, right? Uh, so well, like I know that that there was together, that's amazing.
2: Yeah. And like you said, like, I know there was a point, because I remember this conversation where he told me, like before it was before worlds he told me like that he didn't know if he could ever PR again yeah. and I was like do you I was like do you think you're not physically capable of throwing that far yeah. and he's like no and I'm like well, why why not and he's like I, I'm not in that mindset and that was it you know he's like I'm not in that mindset like I just feel like that mindset's not in me you know mm-hmm. and so for me and that and that's the thing I think that is just like I didn't that
1: was not okay for you right no
2: well I mean for me I just I wanted to understand it I was like well are you I asked him I'm like are you not as strong as you were no I'm stronger well like what why you're not as fast no I think I'm as fast okay well why don't you think you can throw that far and then the reason he thought that is because he thought he wasn't in the right the the frame of mind mentally to do it and so for me it's like well what needs to happen you know what I'm saying and I ask him like what when you throw really well or really far like what goes on you know what do you feel what what gives you confidence and like it could be anything it's like well um when my stand throws on I feel on when this is you know when my bench press is big when this when that when I have a lot of good training throws in a row everyone's different and it's the same thing with the college kids it's like you know what makes Sade feel confident that she's going to win NCAAs what makes Adelaide feel confident that she can throw 14 meters in the first three rounds of big tens and then throw 1780 and win like what what needs to happen behind the scenes, in the lab, that when you go out in front of the lights, mm-hmm. that you know you have what it takes to be your best mm-hmm. at that moment. And I think that like, I didn't teach Joe how to throw the shot put. You know, Joe knows how to throw the shot put. That, that wasn't me, it, it really wasn't. I think that I helped him realize what he needed from himself. Mm-hmm. And I think we had a lot of conversations about those types of things. And I think that we structured our training to help him feel more confident and, and 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 like build some padding around the things that make him feel good, mm. and I think that that's what it has to be. You know, everybody that throws well, it's like when you step into the ring. If you ask, like, were you scared when you stepped in the ring? And you threw your PR. No one's gonna say, mm. yeah, I was scared. Like, you either get to a point where you're just like, I can't wait to take this throw, or just like, I don't even yeah. care what happens. I'm just gonna yeah. go for it. You know, and it's like, what can we do in training to put you in a place where you are? you are going to be daring on every throw because you trust Mm -hmm. yourself
3: Mm -hmm.
2: you know and like we just watched some we were watching some documentary and it was like this astronaut and he said the more you know the less you fear he was talking about the more you know about like the spaceship and all these little things the less you have to be scared about because you get it and that's how i feel about like training it's like well if you if you can't get out of the back but you know what you have to do to get out of the back, and you can fix it if you have no idea how you do it when you do it well then you're you're it's done you know you're done for so yeah. I think that as a coach, it's our job to know the roadmap for all of our athletes, and I don't think they're different. I don't think they're the same for everybody. I think they're all different yeah.
1: It's amazing to hear that uh and it's always. I'm always happy to, to and when I'm talking to coaches like you or athletes who are in it like yourself and like Joe. When you're so into this, you will do everything that you can in uh, possible, and you will not let that person, other person, think otherwise because you 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 know you have experience. You wanted this to happen, and you will go to length. And I remember Joe saying, you know, I just had to I had to stop, you know, and start listening. Right, I had to stop and open my ears to what Ashley was telling me. Because you know she saw this, and I, you know, I finally give in. Okay, let's do this. And then boom, right. So, but that's the, you know, it comes from your tenaciousness because you're so like, you know, I see this like, it's like, you know, whatever talents your kid has, and then don't believe them, even if it's your own child. I say I don't know how to, you know, I'm not a father, but I know like my mom, and she was so believing in me. And when you see that belief in the person who cares so much about you and they know you so well, and "I, I think they're right, you know, I. Like I think they're right. Let me do it, and then you do it, right? Uh, they will. You would not give them any. You would not tell them something that you don't think is true, right? Right. Yeah. So, you would not just like yeah, You will do it just to motivate you. Like that. That's right. a, that's a short, uh, short uh, uh, road to go, right?
3: Yeah, and, I think
2: that's really important too, Martin. You know, I think I talk. I even say this to recruits. Like there are some coaches. I think that you know, like say you're throwing. 17 meters and your coach is gonna be like oh man you were throwing like 17 30 17 50 if yeah. you're throwing 17 like first of all like I we measure our, our training throws just because I want them to have an idea of, of the reality of what's going on every day mm-hmm. but like I think the biggest disservice you can do to an athlete or really anybody is to fabricate what they're yeah. actually doing because then they're gonna go to a meet and then they're gonna be like well you said I was throwing this or I was throwing this net that or this in practice and it's like But if we weren't telling them the truth, like the tape measure is not going to lie to them, you know? And so I think it's the same thing. And even with Joe, it's like sometimes like there was a point where he was like, it was just not good. And it was just like, I, in my head, I was like thinking about Nick Demoline's training or JC's training. And I'm like, it wasn't really that much more impressive to me than anything that those guys were doing at their best. And I was just like, it's got to get better. Like, this is not, this is not good enough for how good you are, you know? And I think that being realistic gives them confidence like because they know then when I say you're it's good I mean it you know but I'm going to say when it's bad I'm going to let you know that too so you know I think that's really important and I think that like I respected that as an athlete if somebody's going to be honest with me so that's just how I am I don't mean to hurt your feelings but like if you're not if something's real bad I'm I and I and I get it like you you want them to have confidence but the real confidence true confidence not fake confidence you know, not confidence built on, on lie and fabrication. Yeah, yeah. So I just don't do that
1: Yeah. ever. And, and then long-term that's how, why, how you can, that's the only way you can be really successful a long time is to tell the athlete the truth. If you don't have, if you have a problem and you don't address it in a truthful way, how are you going to find a solution? Right. Not, there's something that you're, you know, you're not telling this person or you know, it's wrong with this person athlete, like technically or, or physically, whatever it is, like they're not strong, like you telling them, you know, uh, not truth, it's going to come out to the surface and, yeah. and, and they're going to lose trust.
2: Right, and then they're not going to trust you because you weren't honest. Yeah. And that's what I said, like, that's why it goes back to the, the trust, communication, yeah. respect pillars for me, like, you aren't going to trust me if I'm lying to you, even to make, if I'm lying to you to make you feel better. That's not in your best interest long term.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that. And that's why long term obviously and like i said you have such a great relationship with your athletes and i see that how they respect you uh when they come to you at the meets and after the graduate uh that they're, they're you know they'll swear 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 by you right being a great coach and great person to make them feel better not uh you know not not just to make them feel better at the moment but to make them a better person so even if it takes in a moment being you know honest like hey this is what you're doing wrong this these habits you got to change we have to do this if you want to get it so uh, people in a long time appreciate that, and that 's how um, that 's how you make great things right
3: Thank you
1: so, uh, in terms of um, now to go back in recruiting, I just have one more question for you uh, i don 't want to take too much of the time when you do obviously you have you have to you want to have that good relationship in communication from the get go from your uh, recruits and athletes and parents. Uh, what do you like to see in email? How do you like to athletes to approach you when they do send you email or um, when they reach out to you?
2: Um, you know, I think that it's important for, for the athletes to, you know, just to, to put themselves out there in terms of like, Hey, this is who I am. This is where I'm from. These are my grades because that's going to be like the first thing I'm going to ask. Um, these are my marks and like, these are a few videos. And then, you know, a reason maybe why you would be interested in Ohio State if you're like an Ohio kid like hey I'm I'm from Ohio I've always loved Ohio State my parents went to Ohio State like whatever it is like if you have some reason that you're interested in us or you know even if it's like hey I've seen you know I watched your throwers at Big Tens and I really like thought that they were that they looked good in the ring or something anything like that that shows you're paying attention to like to us and to what we're doing I think that's really cool Mm. you know like like why do you Why are you emailing me? Like, what do you, why Ohio state? You know, because that, that gives me an idea of like, what you're, what, what are you motivated by with us? I think that's important, you know? And like I said, I I think that for me, the the email communication and the electronic communication is just the first step. And then for me, it's going to boil down to like that, the, the vibe we have on the phone. If we, if we, if it's a good fit, if I think you're going to be a good fit in our program, uh, if you're willing to work the way that we work here, and I think you're going to be, on top of your game. And, and you're going to be somebody that's going to, like you said, Martin, like bring the bottom up. We talk about bring the bottom up all the time. You want to be somebody that's bringing the group up like this, not somebody that's sucking the group down like this. And I don't, I don't want you really to be here either. That doesn't really help me. Like I want more people doing this. So the whole thing comes up and we talk about that all the time, you know, so it's really easy for us to, I think as coaches to see pretty quickly, if we we think you're going to be somebody that's going to be pulling us like this or pulling us like this, yeah. you know, and, and that just boils down to, to being able to talk to you and get to know you on a, on a more intimate level.
1: Do you like, uh, I know a lot of coaches, high school coaches a lot of parents are afraid to reach out to coaches for whatever reason. They want they don't want to bother you. They don't want to think that you, they're picky. Do you like talking to parents? Do you, do you encourage them to call you as well?
2: I don't, like, discourage anybody, you know, from reaching out to me. Like, I don't – I don't, like, protect myself that much. And, like, I know some coaches are like, don't talk to me. I don't feel that way at all. Like, especially if I'm, I'm recruiting a kid and you're going to come do an official visit, I want to know your parents. Like, if, if they don't reach out to me, I'll, I'll reach out to them at some point, you know, and get to – and, like, at least speak to them. I like seeing the parents. Like, you know, and, like, one of my – I think one of my personal regrets when I did my official visits – and I don't actually – it's kind of like I'm on the fence with it. I didn't let my parents come with me on my official visits Mm. because I told them I didn't want to have a false sense of security with them being there. Like, Mm. cause some of the places that I visited were far away and like I went on a plane obviously to go to, I wanted to feel what it would feel like to be there without them. And part of me wishes I would have brought them so that they could have seen what I was seeing. But at the same time, I think that I would have made a different decision if they had been there because I would have felt a little bit more comfortable just knowing that they were there. But, like, I remember going um, to South Carolina, and I really liked South Carolina, but I remember getting on the plane to go to South Carolina and, like, looking out the window and being like, if I ever had to get home, this is how I would have to do it. You know, I couldn't drive home. And I think that that meant something to me because I wanted personally – to be able to go, to get home if I had to get home at the drop of a hat, you know? So I was at Kentucky five hours away and that wasn't easy, but you know, there were a couple family situations like a grandparent passes or so, or you just need to get home. And I wanted that, that was important to me. Some people are like, I wanna get far away, you know? And, and I just think that you have to really be honest. It all boils down to this, being honest with yourself mm-hmm. about what you want, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I think the parents have to also like look and, and be like, what does my kid really want? Mm-hmm you know, and, um, but, but as far as like the communication goes, I'm open to speak to anybody, you know, and there are some people that, you know, that are going to send emails and it's just, you know, Hey, thank you for reaching out. I really appreciate your interest in Ohio state keep working hard. And these are our standards, like get back to me, keep me, keep me in touch with your progress. And, and we'll talk again when you're, you know, a little bit closer to our standards. And that's not, you know, a, a rude thing. That's just a, there is a, you know it, Martin, like there's a level that that like you have to be at before, before right. it's even going to make sense, yeah. you know? And so, and that's not to be disrespectful or rude to anybody, but, you know, it, and there are different levels for those, for different people. Yeah. yeah.
1: And you and you have so many slots, right? Like you can't have right. 80 shot putters, right? No, so you, it, yeah. you can work only with such a small group. So it's not, right. like I said, disrespectful. It's just the way it is. So right,
3: you know, right, I right. like
1: that you like also encouraging parents to, you know, come on a visit as well. So. Whatever can make that athlete feel not just more comfortable, but you get to know them through their parents as well, right? They're going to tell you about their kids, some things that you that the kid might not, you know, tell you in terms of like, okay, he prefers a small group or he loves being in a big group, right? But right. he won't tell you because he's afraid or she's afraid that you're going to think different ways, right? Right. So right. Small things like that can help a lot. What's the best way to reach you or easiest way to reach you in terms of recruiting the first?
2: Um. You know, I think email is probably like the first best way. And then once we email back and forth, you know, like usually if we email back and forth a little bit, I have my, my cell phones on my, um, my footer, my signature for my email. And then, you know, Hey, text me. So I have your number and I'll give you a call, set up a call. You know, we can communicate that way. That's usually how, um, how I've done things. Like I sometimes will try to get in touch with people on Instagram, but not, that's not usually like I might find somebody on Instagram. If I'm looking for somebody and want to get their info, their contact information, Hey, it's coach Kovacs at Ohio state. Um, have you found a school? And if you have, Hey, good luck to you. If you haven't, if we're interested, would you, would you mind sending me your contact information? Um, so yeah, those are, that. that's usually, I'm pretty accessible. You know, I think I'm pretty easy to get in touch with. So, you know, I, I'm definitely open. We, we always are looking for, you know, strong talent. This is a great school and it's a great conference and you know we're really proud of our product and you know we're always looking for we're looking for good buckeyes that's for sure
3: yeah
1: no I'm excited like I, I told this to miriam the other day It's the same way if i had you know if god blesses me and my wife with kids i will be more than comfortable with them going to your school if we don't have a scholarship or they don't want to do i <laughs> don't want to train with that right uh so thank you very much for sharing that Uh, your knowledge and your experience you're a very successful coach obviously and uh, there's so many exciting things ahead of you guys and you and joe and your team which is incredible but you're doing incredible jobs thank you so much ashley thank you
2: take care
0: that was ashley kovacs for you guys hope this gives you an insight not just in coach kovacs philosophy when it comes to recruiting but in other colleges and institutions in general If you like this episode, please take a moment to leave us a review and see you guys soon.